0: 95 of the podcast, it is Sweeping America, the Air Tour Sports Podcast. It is Thursday night, April 29th, Friday morning, April 30th, by the time that you're listening to this. And I hope everybody is having a great day. I am recording here right after the first round of the NFL Draft. And let me just say this I love the NFL Draft, I enjoy it. I feel like there was no reason for me to wait until Monday morning to talk NFL Draft. So here is the plan. I am basically just going to recap the big stories from Thursday all day, starting with Aaron Rodgers, going into the draft, talking Justin Fields, talking Mac Jones, talking Trey Lance, talking some of the other crazy storylines. Cincinnati Bengals, what are you doing We'll try to keep it short. We'll try to keep it brief, and like I said, uh, give you something to kind of listen to on your commute into work on Friday morning. Give you something to listen to on your commute home from work Friday afternoon. Give you something to listen to when you want to ignore your coworkers in the office. Whatever the case may be, but the NFL draft is one of my single favorite nights of the year. As you guys know, I love college football, even though it's been primarily a college basketball March Madness show over the last six, eight, ten weeks in the lead. Up to the NCAA tournament. Obviously, I love college football, love football in general, and it felt appropriate that on the night of the NFL draft that I hop onto this show and give you a little bit of recap. And like I said, the plan is 20, 25 minutes. But you know how Torres gets, once he starts talking, he doesn't stop. So who knows if this thing goes 25, 30, 35 minutes, etc. But let's get into the show itself. And 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 let's just let me just start before I get into Justin Fields this and Trey Lance that. Let me just say, first thing, biggest takeaway from the entire day, even bigger than Aaron Rodgers, which we'll get into in a minute, the single biggest thing that I took away from Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening, about 7, 7.30 when I turned on the TV, how cool was it, before we get into Justin Field, before we get into anything, how cool was it to see fans in the stands in Cleveland at the NFL Draft? Because here's the thing. We are now back to a normal world, but I do think that as we reflect back on the last year, year and a half, two years of our entire lives, uh, I think it's easy to forget where we were a year ago. And so first of all, let me say this. Let me give a little bit of credit to Roger Goodell. Because this guy, and I think I said it on Wednesday's show, but but Roger Goodell's a Twitter punching bag. Everybody loves to make fun of him. Uh, he's goofy. He says the wrong things. I think at times he has not handled himself well. I mentioned it on yesterday's show, but the Ray Rice situation was obviously too lenient. Uh, the Ezekiel Elliott situation, he was probably not lenient enough based on the facts. But what I will say is that I don't think that he gets enough credit for stuff like what happened last April when the world was in a crazy, crazy, crazy place and the NFL basically pushed forward and said, we are one doing free agency, which was great. We got Tom Brady to the Buccaneers. We got Cam Newton to the Patriots. We got Philip Rivers to the uh, Indianapolis Colts. But on top of that, uh, the fact that that Roger Goodell and the NFL pushed through for the NFL draft I thought was a really, really kind of pivotal moment in that post-COVID world. And I'm not going to sit here and over-exaggerate and talk about it too much. But again, it was wild to think about where we were. As I kind of turned on the the, the draft on Thursday night, it was wild to think where we were last year, a year ago, and how much the NFL, with their draft in 2020, Gave us a sense of normalcy at a time where nothing was normal. Now, was it completely normal? Of course not. The entire draft was done from people's homes. Poor Joe Burrow is the number one overall pick. He was supposed to be in Vegas. Instead, he ends up uh, watching the draft with mom and dad. But that NFL draft, I don't think Roger Goodell gets enough credit for pushing forward with that draft to give us all a sense of normalcy to give us all a diversion from where the world was at that point. And oh, by the way, they f- they pulled it off flawlessly. Like That was the thing that I was thinking about on this NFL draft in 2021 was how incredible of a TV product the 2020 NFL draft was. I mean, go back and watch that thing again. Think about it. The fact that you had thousands of people involved in the draft from Roger Goodell himself to players to coaches to GMs to scout to whoever and you had cameras all over the country you had people in their house you had all of these different variables and the draft basically went off without a hitch and so one it was super cool to think back to where we were a year ago to the role that the NFL played at a time when we needed some normalcy to give us normalcy with the NFL draft and then to fast forward to 2020 21 and to see 50,000 fans in the stands at Cleveland And yes, everybody was vaccinated, and people were wearing masks and this and that. But I just thought it was so cool because I will say it goes without saying that the last year in sports has certainly been different. I think all sorts of sports have been impacted in different ways by not having fans in the stands. Obviously, an NFL game at the Superdome for the Saints or a college basketball game at Cameron Indoor Arena. No Duke, no, you know, no Cameron crazies. It's a completely different feel. But I also think the NFL Draft is one of the great fan events of the year. Roger Goodell talked about it, the role that the fans play in making the draft the draft. And so to have all the different fans uh, in the stands, I just thought it was so, so, so cool to kind of again feel normal and feel like we really are getting back to a sense of normalcy when you can cut to a Jets fan after the Zach Wilson pick when you can cut to um, you know whoever a Browns fan after the pick that they made Greg Newsom the cornerback from Northwestern a Bears fan after Justin Fields gets picked so I thought it was really cool and I thought the fans made it I thought it was just awesome to have fans back in the stands in terms of the football itself Well, crap, let's get into the topic of the day, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but the biggest topic had nothing to do with the actual draft itself, although I guess it sort of did, and that was, oh, your boy Aaron Rodgers claiming that he wants out of Green Bay, and so let me just say, I mean, listen, I was sitting around like everybody else on... Thursday afternoon, just kind of waiting for the draft to start, and all of a sudden you see this tweet: Adam Schefter, the best insider in the game, saying uh, Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay, and he does not plan on playing for them again. I'll just say, like, I'm not Adam Schefter. I'm not an NFL insider. My sense is is a couple things. One, he's obviously clearly still pissed off what happened last year in NFL in the NFL draft when uh, when Jordan Love was, of course, taken. Uh, in the first round, and of course, that pissed him off, and of course, how could it not piss him off? And to me, that's what I think it was about. Like, do I think Aaron Rodgers is actually getting traded? I don't, and I'll tell you why. I think if he really wanted out of Green Bay, and I know there's all kinds of reports about he demanded a trade, he said he'll never play again, the Packers considered trading him, this team potentially made a call. What I would just simply say, if Aaron Rodgers really wanted out of Green Bay, He would not have made this public the day of the NFL draft, and let me explain why. It's pretty simple, actually. It's because if you want to get traded, the best day to probably get traded is on draft day, but when the Green Bay Packers have no time to shop you around to the teams that might be interested, like the San Francisco 49ers, like the Denver Broncos, like the Carolina Panthers, like whoever would potentially be interested in Aaron Rodgers, and it's a lot of different teams, you don't make that demand and make it public the day of the NFL draft. You do it a week before. You do it a month before. I hate to bring this guy's name up because he is in much bigger problems. He has much bigger issues than football. But like this is why Deshaun Watson made it clear prior to all of the allegations that have come out against him about uh, you know criminal behavior. Like, Deshaun Watson made this public in February to make it clear, like, hey, you guys got three months, but figure it out. I'm not playing for you guys again. Now, clearly, Deshaun Watson has other bigger issues. But to me, with Aaron Rodgers, I don't really think it was about getting traded. I think it was just kind of honestly about embarrassing the organization a year after they embarrassed him uh, on draft night in 2020 by taking Jordan Love. And so, yeah, like, like, It's a crazy story. (laughs) It's a wild story. There's all sorts of reports and this and that about where he could potentially end up, all that different stuff. I still think he's going to be a Green Bay Packer. I mean... uh, yes could he get traded yes could he refuse to play absolutely but at this point it feels to me like this was a power play this was a play to embarrass the Green Bay Packers more than it was anything else and yes there is certainly a fractured relationship I don't believe he's best buddies with Matt LaFleur the guys that are running that organization but I also like I don't believe as of right now this second it's always subject to change that he's actually going to get traded Let's get into some of the big topics of draft night now. And let me just say this. To me, I I know that Mac Jones kind of stole the headlines and Trey Lance maybe even more than him and all the Bama guys that got drafted is a huge story. But to me, oh, by the way, forgot to say one thing really quick about the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers tried to embarrass them. How about the Green Bay Packers out of left field? Maybe not out of left field, but doing the most on-brand thing for the Packers. Aaron Rodgers demands a trade. What do you do? You go out and draft a cornerback that nobody thought was a first-round pick. So I thought that was really interesting from the Packers, who have now taken in the last, I think, nine drafts, ten drafts they've taken. uh, In the last ten drafts, they've taken nine defensive players, and Jordan Love, the backup quarterback. So shout-out to the Packers, who stayed on brand. Even in the midst of uh, an angry Aaron Rodgers trade demand, they took a cornerback that nobody was expecting him to take. Okay. Back to the draft itself, let's talk about the topics that kind of stood out to me, and like I said, I think everybody wants to freak out about Mac Jones, everybody wants to freak out about Trey Lance, but to me, the single biggest story of the NFL draft was the Chicago Bears taking Justin Fields, and it was kind of crazy because this Justin Fields story has evolved over the last three, four, five, six weeks. I think we kind of knew by the middle of February it was going to be Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson won two. But it was really over the last two or three weeks that it was like, okay, Justin Fields not only is not going to go at number three, but on top of that, if he falls past three, who the hell who the heck knows what the heck who's going to take him? Because the Falcons, assuming they kept their pick, were not going to take a quarterback. Um, the Bengals were not going to take a quarterback. Uh, The Lions were not going to take a quarterback. The Dolphins were not going to take a quarterback. And then, oh, by the way, in the lead up to the draft, the Carolina Panthers trade for Sam Darnold. The Denver Broncos trade for Teddy Bridgewater. And yes, in theory, they could still draft a quarterback. But it also kind of felt like you don't trade for a guy who's probably good enough to be your starter if you're going to take a first rounder this year. And so Justin Fields, we're kind of trying to figure out like, one, what's wrong with him, where is he going to go, what are we going to do, and then out of left field, how about the Chicago Bears? Never forget, the day Andy Dalton signed, tweet, QB1, Andy Dalton, and then all of a sudden, out of left field, the Chicago Bears end up taking Justin Fields. Let me just say, I absolutely love this, okay? So first of all, as it pertains to Justin Fields, and I know I've said it a million times, I give this kid so much, first of all, I, I love him as a player, but I love him as a person too. I think he is the ultimate epitome of of leadership and mental toughness and class and fighting through adversity. Remember, this was a guy, and I know I've said it a million times, so I apologize for repeating myself over and over and over and over again, but this was a guy that when the Big Ten shut down its season, nobody fought harder for Big Ten football than Justin Fields. No coach did, no administrator did, no player did. Nobody fought harder for college football in the Midwest than Justin Fields. And that happened in a year where he was the consensus second best quarterback in college football going into the season. He had no reason to play. This was a guy that under just about any other circumstance could have left campus, could have left his team, and he stuck around. Never forget, there was like a two-week period where Justin Fields was actually going and running practices at Ohio State, believing that Ohio State at best would play maybe a winter schedule in the Big Ten. Remember, they were going to play a winter schedule or not play at all, and this guy still showed up every day and was the ultimate leader. I love this kid. I give him so much respect. He's the ultimate leader. And also, like I said, I understand why he kind of fell, but if you actually look at the reasons that he quote-unquote took a step backwards this year, like I'm just going to say it, there are perfectly logical reasons to explain why he took a step backwards this year. First of all, Season was start, stop, start, stop, start, stop. Ohio State had three games canceled. There was one game where his play caller, Ryan Day, who's obviously also his head coach, out because of COVID, wasn't even in the stadium. There was one game, his entire starting offensive line, except for one player, four out of five starters, out because of COVID. There was one game, Big Ten Championship game against Northwestern. Uh, Most of his skill position guys were out because of COVID. Still fights through, still gets Ohio State to the playoff, and then in the game where they were at full strength for once, you know what they did? They beat the crap out of Clemson. So I think this guy is good. I believe he is good. I did not believe that the reasons that he fell were legitimate. And now he goes to the Chicago Bears. And let me just say this. I think this is about as interesting as the Chicago Bears have basically been in my lifetime, okay? Like, I'm a little young to remember the Super Bowl shuffle. Like I, don't, I can't say I remember... William the Refrigerator, Perry, and Walter Payton, and Jim McMahon, but since I've been watching the NFL, and I think it's clear at this point, guys, just because I don't talk about it on this show, I love the NFL. I enjoy watching the NFL on Sundays like you guys do, get together with friends, watch games, do this, do that, whatever, but the Bears haven't exactly been on my radar since I've been watching the NFL for, I don't know, 25-plus years. The entire time that, 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 that I've been an NFL fan, this is basically who their quarterbacks have been. Kyle Orton, Rex Grossman, uh, Jay Cutler. Even when they're good, they're not like particularly interesting. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else. Nick Foles, obviously Andy Dalton going into this year. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky. And so the idea that they have traded up, that they got a dynamic quarterback. And by the way, I hated when the NFL draft or or when the ESPN guys were like, "Uh, the, the Bears traded up. Well, you can't draft. Justin Fields here because you drafted a dual threat quarterback last time and it didn't work out. Uh, did you just compare Justin Fields to Mitchell Trubisky? Because that to me is like comparing, uh, I don't know, like LeBron James to Shm- to Smush Parker just because they both played for the Los Angeles Lakers. Like It's a dumb comparison. So the Bears take him and I'm telling you, this is the most interesting that they've ever been because in my lifetime, if I'm being perfectly honest, they've basically been quarterbacked by uninteresting I'll just say it by a bunch of uninteresting white guys that aren't particularly good. Like I said, Kyle Orton, Nick Foles, Rex Grossman, uh, Mitch Strabisky, whoever. And now to have Justin Fields, who I believe outside of Trevor Lawrence is the most dynamic playmaker in this draft. He is now a Chicago Bear. And so I'm excited to see what he can do. I don't think he steps in and he's like the greatest quarterback in the history of the sport from day 1. But like I said, it's clear he's got a great work ethic. It's clear he's a great leader, it's clear he's a great teammate. And now, especially with the Aaron Rodgers news, he's going to an organization at a time when like this ain't a bad time to be going to the NFC to the NFC North. Like First of all, Lions still stink. We'll get to them. At least they made a good draft pick. But Jared Goff is their quarterback. You know, he's not the answer. The Vikings are kind of in this weird, like, Kirk Cousins isn't really the answer, but he kind of has to be the answer, but he's not really the answer. I know I sound like Vince Vaughn in uh, in Wedding Crash. It's like, he is, but he isn't, but he is, but he... like. And then you got Aaron Rodgers. And who knows how much longer he is in Green Bay, even, even if he sticks around uh, and doesn't get traded. It's not as though he's got six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years left. Uh, but there's also the possibility that he gets traded this offseason. And so for Justin Fields... I think he's the most dynamic, interesting player that the Bears have maybe had on offense since I started watching the NFL back in the early to mid-90s. I'm really excited to see him play, really excited to see how it works out, and I think he's going to be really, really, really good with the Bears, and I'm really, really excited to now watch them. Like I said, NFL Sunday Ticket. I don't know if he starts day one. I don't know if Andy Dalton gets to kind of have that that role that kind of uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick had in Miami this year where Ryan Fitzpatrick started, Tua took over about five, six games in. But when Justin Fields starts, when Justin Fields plays, I am fired up to watch the Chicago Bears. Outside of Justin Fields, a couple other things that stood out. First of all, I mean, the Mac Jones, Bill Belichick thing. I mean, that has to be it, right? And it's so funny because we spent so much time In the lead up to the draft, Mac Jones, how can he go number three? What does it mean? How could he possibly pass Justin Fields? What about Trey Lance? What does it all mean? And in the end, he ends up falling to the middle of the first round to Bill Belichick. And it's kind of ironic because if you follow, if you're like a real draft Nick, this was kind of. Uh, uh, something that people thought could happen when the draft kind of first when draft talk first began was like you know Mac Jones might be a good mid-round pick for the for the New England Patriots and then then there was all this talk about him going at number three to the San Francisco 49ers and as it turns out he was the fifth quarterback off the board and the quarterback taken by the New England Patriots the first time ever by the way that Bill Belichick has taken a quarterback in the first round And I think that speaks to what Bill Belichick thinks, which is exactly what I think, which is this kid has a chance to be really good. First of all, shout out to all you guys who sent me shirtless Mac Jones picks, because of course, Mac Jones has the dad bod going no different than the Tom Brady dad bod. And it was funny. I had three or four of you DM me or tweet me or whatever saying uh, Bill Belichick definitely has a type and it's true. But I love this pick for, for New England. First of all, I don't believe that Bill Belichick would have taken. Bill Belichick doesn't take players just to take somebody. Like, he doesn't take a guy because the Patriots need somebody at a certain position. He takes guys that he believes are going to help them win games and the best players available in general. Now, he's missed on a couple picks, especially at wide receiver, but in general, he goes and gets the guy that he believes is the best player. And I don't believe that he would have taken Mac Jones if he did not believe that this guy could come in, if not right away, then shortly thereafter, win the Patriots starting job and be the guy going forward. And I got to be honest, I really like this. I really like this because we've seen what Josh McDaniels, what Bill Belichick can do in a system with a quarterback that is confident, that doesn't make mistakes, that doesn't turn the ball over. And no, I'm not comparing Mac Jones to to Tom Brady today. But what I am saying is they do have a lot of similar attributes and I just love the way that Mac Jones fits with New England. On top of that, I would also say, as I've told you many times on this show over the last week or so, I'm a Mac Jones believer just in general. I'm sorry, but when you complete 77.4% of your passes against the toughest schedule in the history of college football, that means something. And by the way, shout out to Arkansas fans that were like, how can our, how can Bama's schedule be tougher than ours? We played this team. In the... Arkansas fans, calm down. You didn't play Ohio State and Notre Dame in the college football playoff. Okay, come down. Mac Jones played the toughest schedule in the history of college football, 10 SEC regular season games, Florida in the SEC championship game, Notre Dame and Ohio State in the college football playoff, and he went not only 13-0, but 77.4% completion percentage against that schedule, against Ohio State, against Notre Dame, against LSU, against Georgia, against Florida. This is what this guy did, and now he's going to a situation where Josh McDaniels is going to put him in in position to have success. This isn't you know, whatever, fill in the blank scheme where he's got to run around and do crazy stuff. He just got to drop back, make simple throws and do what Tom Brady did for 20 years. And again, I'm not saying that he is Tom Brady. What I am saying is I really like to fit. And I really just don't believe that Bill Belichick would have taken a quarterback if he did not believe that that guy could be a difference maker for him. He does not take players based on positional need. He takes players based on who he thinks can help them win. And so if he took Mac Jones, the first quarterback he has ever taken in the first round, it means that he believes in him. You know what it also means? A great pre-draft narrative is officially dead, and that's that the Patriots are trading for Jimmy Garoppolo for two reasons. First of all, because the Patriots now have three quarterbacks on their roster, Cam Newton, Jarrett Stidham, and Mac Jones. But also because, oh, by the way, I think the 49ers are going to need to keep Jimmy Garoppolo. Because I will tell you straight up, the next big story to me, is Trey Lance, and I really just don't get it, right? Like, like when the San Francisco 49ers traded up for this pick, it goes without saying, and I talked about it a little bit on Wednesday's show, and everybody in sports media has talked about it over the last month, when you trade up to get the number three pick, you give up all those future first rounders, you're taking a guy, you're basically saying this, especially because you're the 49ers who just went to the Super Bowl two years ago, what you're basically saying is like, we think we're good enough to win a Super Bowl, But the quarterback is holding us back. But the quarterback is not the answer that we're looking for, and we need a guy to get us to that next level. And so that's why the Mac Jones stuff made so much sense over the last couple weeks. Mac Jones is probably the most ready guy out of anybody in this draft except for Trevor Lawrence. Um, He's calm. He's poised. His ceiling probably isn't as high as some of these guys, but his floor isn't as low. And he can come in and help you win games right away. And so for the 49ers to trade up because they do not believe Jimmy Garoppolo is the long-term answer, and then take a guy that everyone agrees needs a lot of time before he's ready to be an NFL quarterback, it makes no sense to me. Now, do I think Trey Lance can be good? I can I mean, listen, I'll be honest. I'm like the rest of you. Watch a couple clips on YouTube, watch some highlights. I'm not going to sit here and say like I've broken down every snap that he's ever played, but I see why people are excited about him. By the way, speaking of, I, I mentioned the ESPN uh, broadcast a minute ago. Did, were you guys watching the ESPN broadcast when Trey Lance got drafted? First of all, like Louis Riddick, who I think is about the best analyst in any sport on TV, is basically like crying when he gets drafted. Booger McFarland's freaking out. Mel Kuyper calls it um, he the most, the, 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 what was the term he used? Something like the most... Uh, toughest evaluation he's ever had or most unique evaluation he's ever had. They were acting like he was Rudy. Like, why was everyone freaking out? This guy was the third uh, consensus, third quarterback in the draft coming into the season behind Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. He ends up going as the third quarterback off the board. And people were talking about him like he's Rudy. Biggest, toughest evaluation I've ever had. Um, incredible story. It's like, I know he didn't have many offers coming out of high school, but like, is it that incredible? Like Zach Wilson had one FBS offer coming out and it was BYU at least, early in the process. And so the idea is that crazy crazy of a story, I don't get it. But on top of that, what I would just say is speaking of not getting it, I just don't get this move for the 49ers. The only thing that I can think of as it pertains to this move is the idea that maybe they believe in their hearts that they can get another year out of Jimmy Garoppolo and they can kind of Uh, have Trey Lance learn under him and then you still get several years of Trey Lance on on the rookie contract I guess to me that's the thing that makes sense but again if you don't believe that Jimmy Garoppolo is a guy that can win you a Super Bowl then you're pushing the Super Bowl window out a year and you never know what can happen in a year in the NFL with injuries and free agency and this and that but you know what else what happens if Jimmy Garoppolo actually plays well What happens if he stays healthy this year and he balls out? Like, what happens if you go, I know there's 17 games this year, so you go 14-3 and and win the NFC West again, which isn't inconceivable. You just did it two years ago. Now what do you do? So that's why it's confusing to me. If you're going to take a quarterback, say Justin Fields, say Mac Jones, and you just say, draw a line in the sand, and you say, like, hey, week five, we're putting you in. you got to be ready to go. That's one thing. But to take a guy that everyone agrees is not ready – I just think you're putting yourself in a very difficult situation. Again, if the idea is you draft him because then it extends out the window where you don't have to pay a quarterback, you're able to keep everybody on a rookie scale, that's a little bit different. But again, I don't get it because what happens if Jimmy Garoppolo balls out? What happens if Trey Lance isn't ready? He clearly isn't ready right now. And you trade it up to get a guy who is a long-term project. I don't get it. I don't deny that Trey Lance has a chance to be really, really, really good. Again, I've watched the highlights. I've talked to the people. A good friend of mine, Jeff Colhane, is actually the play-by-play voice of the North Dakota State football team, so I talked to him the last couple weeks, and he loves them. He said the same thing everybody else did about his character, leadership, all that stuff. But I'm just saying, man, you traded up, you gave up all that capital to move up to number three to get a quarterback. Because everyone believed that you think you're a quarterback away from winning the Super Bowl. And then you take a, a quarterback that's not ready. Don't get it. Don't get it. Don't get it. You know what else I don't get? How about the Cincinnati Bengals? And we got a lot of Cincinnati Bengals fans that listen to this show. Uh, number one and number two states in terms of downloads are, are Kentucky and Tennessee. A lot of fans in Ohio as well. I got to be honest. I I mean, I, I understand why the Cincinnati Bengals took Jamar Chase. I just don't think it was the right move. And I talked about it on Wednesday's show, but it's like, it's the age old debate of, do you make your quarterback happy or do you actually do what's best for him? Because do you you take the guy that Joe Burrow wants, his former teammate at LSU, or do you do what you actually need to do, which is draft an offensive lineman to protect his butt? I said the analogy on Wednesday and I believe it. Just because your kids want to eat ice cream and you, you can love your kids, doesn't mean it's the right thing to let them eat ice cream for dinner. You make them eat vegetables, you make them eat whatever, eat a protein, whatever. You don't let them eat ice cream just because they want to eat ice cream. Well, that's basically what the Bengals were doing. They're saying, oh, you want to eat ice cream, Joe Burrow? Okay, we'll go, go, go draft Jamar Chase. And it was funny because I tweeted out a little meme or a gif or whatever you call it of uh, some woman getting run over by a horse. And <laughs> I said, this is going to be Joe Burrow while Jamar Chase is running down the sidelines wide open every game next year. And that's my fear. Joe Burrow, um, Booger McFarlane dropped this stat on the, sh- on the broadcast. It was incredible. Joe Burrow got sacked 31 times in 10 games last year. He said extrapolate that out. That's like 52 sacks in a 16-game season. And instead of taking an offensive lineman, you go get a wide receiver. What good is having a great wide receiver if you don't have anybody to protect Joe Burrow? So I didn't get it. I didn't like it. I didn't whatever. But on the flip side, let's also give a little credit to a team that we never give credit to, the Detroit Lions, who did take an offensive lineman with the first pick in the in their draft, which was Panay Sewell, panay I can never say this guy's name right, Panay Sewell from Oregon, and I would just say, first off, a lot of first offs on today's show, but bear with me. It's you know ten thirty at night Pacific time, one thirty Eastern when I'm recording here. But uh, Panay Sewell, um, first of all, I love the fact that. Dan Campbell, the head coach of the the Detroit Lions, never forget his introductory press conference. This was a man that said, you know how he wanted to attack teams next year? He literally said, we want to be a team that bites your kneecaps. Like we want to be nasty, we want to be mean, we want to bite your kneecaps. Don't know if the bite the kneecap conversation was necessary, but what I would also say is like, it's a pretty good quote. And to his credit, Dan Campbell, living up to the maxim, living up to the brand, doing what he said he would do, drafting Panay Sewell in the first round. I love it. I don't claim to be a, you know, an offensive line savant, but one, everybody, first of all, coming into the year, everybody agreed that Panay Sewell was the definitive third best player in college football behind Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. He opts out because the Pac-12 was a mess, but if he plays a full college football season, I think there's a chance that he goes even higher than he did to the Detroit Lions. And here's the other thing. He's super young. I heard this stat and it blew me away. As a true sophomore, he won the Outland Trophy, which goes, out, goes to the best offensive lineman in college football. That's kind of crazy. What's even crazier, he was he had just turned 19 years old at the end of his sophomore year of college football. So he was actually 18 years old to begin his sophomore year of college football. If you remember, Oregon opened the season They played Auburn in, I think it was Atlanta or Dallas or whatever. Derrick Brown ended up being a top 10 pick. Panay Sewell kept him out of the backfield the entire game. He was the best offensive lineman in college football two seasons ago, basically as an 18-year-old, finishes the season as a 19-year-old, would have started this past season as a 19-year-old, now is just turning 20 years old. He will be 20 years the day he plays his first NFL game. And so you think about a guy that could have an 8, 10, 12, 15-year career on the offensive line. This is your guy. And again, I don't know if this guy's gonna be that much better than this guy or that guy or whatever. But what I'm telling you is, is that, like, I think there's a chance that he could be really good for a really long time, but I love the fact that the Detroit Lions... Dan Campbell, he said he wanted to change the culture. He said he wanted to have a a team that reflects the city. He wants a team that's tougher than the opponent. I love that he went out and drafted an offensive lineman with the Detroit Lions' first overall pick. And really what I would say is, outside of that, I think that's basically what I would consider to be the big storylines out of the first round. First of all, shout out to the Big 12. Zero first round picks, which is inconceivable. Shout out to the Big 12. Alabama had six first-round picks, which, sets an all, which ties an all-time record with Miami in 2004, six first-round picks for Alabama. BYU has a first-round pick. Northwestern has two first-round picks. North Dakota State has a first-round pick. The entire Big 12, zero first-round picks. None from Oklahoma, none from Oklahoma State, none from Texas, none from Baylor. And if you want to know why the Big 12 has fallen behind the SEC, and even to a degree the Big 10, I think that's why. Haven't ever won a playoff game. You want to know why? You don't have guys that are good enough to play in the NFL. Not at the elite level like the SEC, the ACC, whatever. Um, but yeah, uh, Big 12, zero NFL draft picks. That will change, of course. Oklahoma probably has the best quarterback in the draft next year. Texas, I assume, will probably uh, start recruiting really well under Steve Sarkeesian. But that tells you as to why, um, why the Big 12 is struggling on the college football landscape. And last little thought, talked about it a little bit on yesterday's show, but Alabama incredible night six total and six total first rounders ties an NFL record as I just said along with the 2004 Miami Hurricanes Patrick Sertan Jalen Waddle Devontae Smith Mac Jones Alex Leatherwood and Najee Harris all going in the first round. I think we all consensusly love that Najee Harris first round pick to the to the. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers but I would also say Alabama in the 2017 NFL draft or 2017 recruiting class that has to be the best recruiting class of all time right so the 2017 recruiting class produced four first round picks last year to a Viola offensive lineman Jedrick Wills Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy who are both offen- who are both wide receivers. This year, four more first rounders from that draft, from that from that recruiting class, Devontae Smith, Alex Leatherwood, the, the offensive tackle, Najee Harris, the running back, Mac Jones, the quarterback. So eight first rounders from that one recruiting class, maybe the best recruiting class ever. Should mention they might actually have a few guys drafted next year, a few second rounders as well. Unbelievable run from the Alabama Crimson time. All right, I promised I'd keep this puppy short. 33 minutes? Ah, That ain't that bad, right? I mean, I like to talk, so all things considered, that's not terrible. But I think that's it for this episode of the Air Tour Sports Podcast. That was fun. Sometimes it's nice to just get on and riff, and sometimes I overthink it and overanalyze, and I talk too much, that I talk on this enough, da 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 Sometimes I go 40, 50 minutes. This was easy breezy. 33 minutes, that's easy. I might do every episode from 33 minutes from now on. You guys might like that. You guys might appreciate it. But I think that's it for this episode. I'm going to get out of here, post this puppy up so you can have this on Thursday night into Friday. Before I get out of here, please make sure that you are subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. You can do it on iTunes. You can do it on the Podcast Addict app, Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure to subscribe. And I should mention, by the way, I am told there are some issues with the iTunes, with iTunes in general, not with my podcast or anybody else's podcast specifically, but just in general. Uh, some issues with iTunes so if you are not subscribed please make sure to do so that is the best way to get this podcast because it is not showing up on iTunes uh, as new episodes does not make sense why but it is not showing up so make sure that you are subscribed and I guess we're not the only podcast that is dealing with this there are some other ones as well but make sure that you're subscribed so that you get the episodes delivered straight to your phone but that's it make sure you're subscribed iTunes the podcast addict app Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts, please make sure that you are subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram aaron torres podcast questions at gmail.com some great questions I will get to maybe on next episode aaron torres podcast questions at gmail.com I will recap next episode the rest of the NFL draft if there's any interesting college hoops transfer news anything like that we will get to it on the next episode but great show tonight fun show tonight I hope you enjoyed the NFL draft I hope you're doing I hope you're not a Packers fan I hope you're doing better than Aaron Rodgers is tonight but I think that's it for tonight's show. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel Hayes, my voice. I will be back on Monday with a new episode of the Aaron Torres Podcast.